You're listening to the Witch in the Woods podcast, Season 1, Episode 5. Please don't ever become a babysitter. Boz, get away from me! I just want one, come on! No, they're for Rosa! But they smell so good! Ari, help me! Come on, Boz, lay off. Maybe Rosa will share some with us. Yeah, right. You saw how much she ate. She'll slurp down this basket in one sitting. Naomi, it'll be easier if you just give him one. Fine, you can have one. Thank you! Jeez, Boz, you're such a bully sometimes. I am not a bully! I just wanted what you had and forced you to give it to me. That's kind of the definition of a bully, dude. Whatever. These are really good, Naomi. Thanks. They were kind of hard to make. What did you tell your mom when you made them? I told her it was for a Food of the World project in school, but I don't think she really noticed. She's been really distracted lately. Why has she been distracted? It's my brother. He's sick or something. What do you mean? He's just been really tired and has been staying home from school. He sleeps most of the day, and when he does come out of his room, he's, I don't know, kind of weird. Not being a jerk, you mean. Oh, so this might be serious. No, he's right. It's weird when Dave isn't acting like a jerk. It's not like he's been nice or anything, just more quiet and, like, kind of distant. Like, he doesn't really seem to hear what I'm saying, and he doesn't really answer me. He just kind of stares at me. That is weird. Sometimes when I'm sick, I get like that. My mom says that when I have a fever, I go into a whole different world. He doesn't have a fever, though. And he's been like this for weeks. I don't know. I just hope... Boss! Ha! Got another one. I'm going to tell her that you took her food and then maybe she'll eat you instead. Fine, fine. I won't take any more. We're almost there anyway. Naomi, don't worry about Dave. It's probably nothing. Maybe he's got that kissing disease that high schoolers get. What's that called? (laughs) You mean mono? Yeah. It's not a kissing disease. It just gets passed through contact, so kids that kiss pass it that way. Ew, who would want to kiss Dave? Ugh, I don't know. But I bet that could be it. It could make you feel really tired for a long time. I bet that's all it is. Yeah, maybe. Mom's taking him to the doctor tomorrow, so... Poroshki? Do I smell Poroshki? Grimalkin! Gimme, gimme, gimme! Grimalkin, no! These are for Rosa! Maybe she'll share with you. Ha! She is not known for sharing. Just give me one before we go inside. She'll never know. Grimalkin? You wouldn't be trying to steal my snack, would you? You fools! I told you to act quickly! We brought you more tuna. Oh, good! More tuna! Instead of warm, flaky, delicious meat pies, I get cold fish in a can. Great! Okay, well, I guess we can just take it back home. No, no, I still want it. I made you piroshki, Rosa. Who told you about piroshki? Barnaby mentioned that you like it. Oh, he did. Well, you do. And the children wanted to bring you something. How did you know how to make it? This isn't a common recipe in this area. I looked it up online. On... line? Yeah, you know, like, the internet? I'm afraid Mamichka has no use for modern technology. Whoa, so you don't even have, like, an email address? Weird. I do. It's how I keep up with my fan club. You do not. Do too. 
It's grimalkinthegreat at gmail.com. I'm very busy and important. How do you even get your email? I go to the library, duh. You're telling me that they let you into the library to check your email? Yes, the librarians just love me. Whatever. Well, I hope you like them, Rosa, because it's my first time making them, and... Yes, most satisfying. If only there were more. Well, I made a whole dozen, but Boz ate two on the way over here, so... You ate some of my piroshki? Uh, well... You dared to eat some of my piroshki? Well, I had to taste test them for you, because I just needed to know Naomi did a good job at all. <laughs> I should pull those right out of your stomach. Mamichka, be nice. Piroshki is very hard to resist. <laughs> now then, how about a story? Me first? You got to tell both of them last time. That's because you were rolling around in catnip, singing at the top of your lungs. Yes, it was a wonderful day. I don't suppose you brought any more of that catnip this time? Sorry, Grimalkin, but I did bring you a cat brush. I noticed you had a few snags Snags? And- Me? How dare you? I always... Ooh. Okay, Barnaby, you go first. Let's see now. It was a warm Friday evening, and Ben was excited to spend it babysitting for his favorite family. The Garcias had three children who loved Ben as much as he loved them, so it was always an easy, fun night. He knocked on the door, humming to himself as he adjusted his grip on the bag of games he always brought with him. Ben! Come on in! (laughs) Yay! Thanks, Ben! Hey, kiddos! The kids rushed to give him their usual greetings, and Ben scooped up Mila, the two-year-old, who immediately put her chubby arms around Ben's neck. He guided the kids into the living room, where they began digging through his bag of games. Mr. and Mrs. Garcia gave Ben their final instructions, warning the children that it was almost bedtime. So, Ben, I know we are usually home by 11, but we might stay out later tonight if that's okay with you. We're welcoming an old friend back to town, and we've got a lot of catching up to do. That's no problem. I've got SATs next weekend, so I was planning to get some studying done anyway. Okay, thanks. The number for our friend's house is on the fridge. Are you sure you don't mind? It's really not a big deal. The Garcias kissed the children goodbye, then left for their night out. Ben turned to the kids and smiled. Who wants some popcorn? The next hour passed quickly as they played games and ate popcorn. Ben always allowed the kids to stay up later than their bedtime, which is another reason they loved it when he babysat. When it was finally time, he got them tucked in and read them stories till they were all fast asleep. He quietly tiptoed back downstairs, poured himself some soda, and settled onto the couch to study. Jingles, the Garcia's fluffy tabby cat, curled up next to him. He had been working for about an hour when the phone rang. 
Hello? Hello? Have you checked on the children? What? Ben's stomach lurched uneasily, and he looked at the phone in his hand. He didn't know who had called, and he didn't recognize the voice. If Mr. Garcia had tried to call and the reception was bad, that would explain the raspiness to the voice as well as the abrupt end to the call. He decided he would peek in on the kids so that he could tell Mr. Garcia that he had checked on them if he called back. They appeared to all be quietly sleeping just as he had left them, so he poured himself more soda and settled back onto the couch. A few minutes later, the phone rang again. Hello? Have you checked on the children? Yes, I did. They're all sleeping. Um, Mr. Garcia? Ben was feeling extremely uncomfortable, but he told himself he was probably just feeling scared because he was alone and it was late at night. What do you think, Jingles? Am I getting scared over nothing? Jingles stared back at him with wide eyes. He decided to call Mr. Garcia just in case. Ben, is everything all right? Everything is fine, but were you trying to call me? No. Oh, that's weird. What's going on? I've gotten two phone calls, and the person told me to check on the children. It didn't sound like you, but I didn't know who else would be calling. That's very strange. Maybe it was a wrong number. Maybe. I think we'll go ahead and come home. I don't want you to be uncomfortable. Oh, no, that that's okay. It's probably nothing. I'd rather come home, just in case. Okay, if you're sure. I am. And Ben, if you get another call like that, call the police. Okay? Okay. See you soon. They should be home in about 20 minutes, Jingles. That's not too long to wait. Although Ben had protested the Garcias leaving early, he was relieved that they were on their way. He scooped Jingles up onto his lap, comforting himself by petting his soft fur as he waited. When the phone rang again, Ben was almost too scared to answer. Hello? Have you checked on the children? Who is this? You must check on the children. That's it. Nine one one, what is your emergency? Hi, I'm babysitting, and I keep getting these strange calls. The 911 operator told Ben that they could trace the call to see where it was coming from, and then call him back with the information. He waited anxiously by the phone, hoping to also see the headlights of the Garcia's car pulling into the driveway at any moment. When the phone rang again, he nearly jumped out of his skin. Hello? 
Ben, we've traced the call and we have officers on the way to you. But you need to get the children and get out of the house immediately. Why? What's going on? The call is coming from inside the house. done something to the children? Is that why he was saying to check on them? Did Ben make it out of the house? Or did he turn around and the killer was right behind him? I don't know. That's just the end of the story. That's the end if you want the light version. The way I heard it, when the babysitter went to gather the children, they were all dead. What? Uh, I like Barnaby's version better. Suit yourself. Wait, I don't get it. How did the guy get the babysitter's number? This story takes place in the days when each house had a phone number that you could look up in a public phone book, so the man simply called the Garcia residence. Huh? So, like, houses came with a cell phone? No. It was a phone that was plugged into the house. It hung on a wall. And had a cord. So you had to stand next to the wall to talk on the phone? Yes. Or sometimes the phone was on a table or something. I still don't get it. If there weren't cell phones, how was the man calling from inside the house? Maybe there was a second line, or he just... He could have... Never mind. There was a killer in the house the whole time. End of story. (laughs) Don't mind him. He still longs for the days of sending messages by carrier pigeon. Huh. While Barnaby is sulking, I've got another babysitting story for you. It was a cold winter night, and Hannah shoved her hands into her pockets to keep them warm as she walked. The bus had been overcrowded and hot, making her transition into the night air even more bracing. She was babysitting for a new family tonight in a part of town she wasn't as familiar with, and she was nervous. She took a deep breath and knocked on the door, and a harried Ms. Lorne opened it to greet her. Hi, I'm Hannah. Oh, hi, Hannah. Great. Come on in. Hannah entered the house, hoping to be embraced by a rush of warm air. She was surprised to find that the house felt just as cold inside as it did outside. I'm so sorry, but our downstairs heat seems to have given out. I called the repair company, but they can't be here until the morning. Luckily, upstairs is nice and toasty. Oh, yeah, that's no problem. Hannah listened as Ms. Lorne gave her the rundown of the children's needs and important numbers, then followed her upstairs to meet five-year-old Nick and three-year-old Katie. The children were playing and greeted Hannah cheerfully. Hi! They're usually well-behaved for sitters, but if you have any problems, feel free to call me. They should be ready for bed in about an hour. I wouldn't normally suggest that a babysitter hang out in my room, but once they go to sleep... That will probably be the most comfortable place for you with the heat situation. I have a TV in there, and you're welcome to watch. 
Hannah assured Ms. Lorne that they would be just fine. The children took to Hannah quickly, and the hour before bed flew by as they played restaurant and dress up. When it was time for bed, the children didn't even fuss. Hannah hoped that with such sweet, easy-going children, she'd be asked to babysit again. After making sure the children were both asleep, she tiptoed down the hall to find Ms. Lorne's room. It did make her feel strange to be entering the master bedroom, but she couldn't deny that a warm room with a TV sounded a lot better than sitting in the cold downstairs. She opened the door, turned on the light, and immediately put her hand over her mouth to stifle a scream. (gasps) There, in the corner of Ms. Lorne's bedroom, was a life-sized statue of a clown. Hannah took small steps as she entered the room, studying the clown's brightly colored outfit. Why would someone have this in their bedroom? Hannah sat on the edge of the bed, finding the corner farthest from the statue. Clowns didn't usually scare her, but this one certainly did. There was something about its face that made her feel like it was staring directly at her. Its high eyebrows and forced red smile made it look like it was permanently surprised, with blue diamonds shaped around each eye and a big red nose to top it off. Its curly rainbow hair looked dull, and the giant, colorful bow tie at its neck drooped slightly at each corner. Hannah shivered and looked for the remote control. She clicked around until she found a funny sitcom, then tried to get comfortable, knowing it would be a couple of hours until Ms. Lauren returned home. Hannah tried to pay attention to the TV show, but she found her eyes constantly shifted over to the clown. She couldn't understand how Ms. Lorne slept with something so scary watching over her. During the next commercial break, Hannah slipped downstairs to grab a soda and a snack from the stash that Ms. Lorne had pointed out to her. Despite the clown statue, this was turning out to be one of Hannah's favorite gigs. She returned to the bedroom just in time for the show to come back on, and was a couple of chips into her bag when she found herself once again staring at the clown. Was it just her imagination, or had it moved? It seemed to be in a slightly different position than it was before. Hannah couldn't quite put her finger on it. Somehow it felt... closer? She tried to shake it off, knowing that her mind was playing tricks on her. Hannah was trying to settle back in when she heard Katie cry out in her sleep. She hurried to Katie's room and settled her down, singing her a lullaby until she was back to sleeping peacefully. Hannah once again tiptoed out of the room and back to Ms. Lorne's, feeling nothing but dread as she walked down the hall. Sure that she would find the clown statue lying in bed or hiding behind the door to scare her. She reluctantly re-entered and was relieved to find the statue in the same place with the same exaggerated grin on its face. But she once again had the feeling that something was different. She was certain that its gloved hands had been at its sides when she first saw it, but now, one hand was raised, like it was stuck in a permanent wave. Had it always been that way? Hannah was starting to doubt her memory, nervously sipping on her soda, her heart banging in her chest. She stared at the statue, and as she stared, she could swear that she saw it breathing, ever so slightly under its garish clothing. She tried to snap herself out of it. Hannah, get a grip. 
It's just a dumb statue. Hannah turned back to her show, but she was too anxious to feel comfortable. She decided that sitting downstairs in the cold was much better than being stared at by a creepy clown. She grabbed her coat and settled onto the downstairs couch, feeling the cold seeping into her skin from the cushions. She turned the TV on and immediately felt much more at ease. The tip of her nose might be frozen, but at least she didn't feel like she was being watched. The time passed quickly, and before she knew it, she heard Ms. Lauren's key in the lock. Oh! Oh, Hannah! You, you surprised me! What are you doing down here? Aren't you cold? Well, a little, and I hope you won't be offended, but I was just a little freaked out by the statue in your room. What statue? The giant clown statue. I, I just... What?! Hannah was cut off as Ms. Lorne dropped her purse and began running up the stairs. Ms. Lorne? What's going on? What's wrong? Ms. Lorne turned back to her, her eyes wide with fear. Hannah, I don't have a clown statue. I would have been out of there as soon as I saw that statue. What about the kids you were babysitting? Forget the kids! They're dead weight! Please don't ever become a babysitter. Not planning on it! I'm not planning on it either. Not after those stories. So you're not going to be a babysitter, you're not going to drive. What else aren't you going to do after hearing these stories? I'll never pick up a hitchhiker or take off someone's necklace. These are getting very specific. If these stories are too scary for you, we can always tell you other things. I know lots of stories that aren't scary. No, I like the scary stories. Is she asleep? Yes, Piroshki always makes Mamichka sleepy. Let's sneak out so we don't wake her. Whoa, she sounds like a monster truck. Have some respect. I've always thought it was closer to a herd of elephants. <laughs> what does that mean? Uh, never mind. She says a lot of strange things in her sleep. Yes, um, we should probably get you going now. But what is she saying? I'll tell them. Never you mind. Let's let Mamichka sleep. Bye, kids. Grimalkin, is it okay if I email you sometime? Of course. I love to get email. Tell your friends. It's G-R-I-M-A-L-K-I-N, the great, at gmail.com. Get home safely, children. What do you think she was saying? What language do you think that was? I don't know, but I recorded it. You did? Well, I hit record on my phone. I think I got the whole thing. Do you think you'll be able to figure out what she was saying? I'm not sure, but I'm going to try. Thank you for listening to the Witch in the Woods podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe, and follow us on social media at the Witch in the Woods Pod. 
And don't forget, you can send me fan mail at grimalkinthegreat at gmail.com. That's G-R-I-M-A-L-K-I-N, the great at gmail.com. The Witch in the Woods podcast is a zombie burrito production and was created, written, and executive produced by Becky McLaughlin. Season one was directed by Michael Ackerman and stars Maddox Butler, Riley Meehan, Corinne McLaughlin, Astoria McLaughlin, Becky McLaughlin, John Furr, Caitlin Stafford, and Emily Emerson. The call is coming from inside the house, as well as the clown statue, were audio designed and directed by Sarah Butner and edited by Becky McLaughlin with sounds from zapsplat.com, featuring the voice talents of Michael Ackerman as Ben, Ben Hill as Mr. Garcia and The Caller, Janelle Fuller as the 911 operator, Sarah Jenkins as Hannah, and Janice Lovett as Ms. Lorne. Thank you for listening, and a huge thank you to our Patreon subscribers, Billy and Lynn Hill, Rob Taylor, Sarah Bowers, Kristen Machado, and Amanda Wills. We are so grateful for your support.